Okay, we're in part 7 of Proverbs Exalting Righteous Living, Lesson 29. And let's look, first of all, at verse 9. We're in chapter 20, and we're going to go up into chapter 21 today. Chapter 20, verse 9. Who can say, I have made my heart clean? I am pure from my sin. Who can say... I have made my heart clean. I am pure from my sin. Now, here's the point I want you to see. This is a great verse. Again, if you want to put a star by this verse, you can. Because this verse speaks to the heart of who we are as individuals. And here's what it says. No one can say that he is pure in thought and deed. No one can say that he is pure in thought and deed. If you're here today, and if you're in some way are thinking that you're okay, that the way you think is okay, that no bad thoughts ever crossed your mind, which, you know, I'm getting ready to kill that thought, that, that, that lie there in a moment, or you don't do anything wrong, you are, you are basically deceiving yourself. So, for instance, let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Let's say you're at Walmart. Everybody goes to Walmart. Uh, you're at Walmart. You're in line. And somebody there in front of you has got an item that the scanner's not ringing up. And then they turn on their flashing light for somebody to come. And nobody's coming. And all the lines have got, you know, 50 deep people waiting to check out, you thought you were in that express lane and you're going to get out of there. And, you know, it's a pair of shoes and it doesn't have a, doesn't have a code on it or whatever. And so they got to call for somebody to come. When somebody comes, then they send somebody back to the shoe department to look for another pair of shoes just like it. And there you are, you're waiting, and all you got is a candy bar. You just came in there for a candy bar. You know, just stop by and get a candy bar. And it just drags on. Before you know it, you're there for 10, 15 minutes waiting to check out. Now, can you explain to me, are you having pure thoughts? Are you thinking wonderful thoughts like, oh, wow, I'm glad I'm standing here at Walmart. Are you? Come on, be honest. How many of you are? How many of you will admit you're not? See, that's my point. Here's what I'm trying to say to you. This is a great verse that talks about human nature. And the basic point of this is that no one can say that he is pure in thought and in deed. No one. Basically, here's the old theological way of saying it. Man is depraved. Man is totally depraved. Now, can I be honest with you? This really puts some of the lies that we have in our culture today to rest. Like, for instance, here's one of the lies. That man is basically what? Good. Man is basically good. Now, how many parents do we have here? Raise your hand, parents. Okay, I want you to think we have grandparents too. Okay. Think about with, with me for a moment, parents and grandparents. How many of you had to instruct your children or grandchildren in lying? How many of you had to teach them to lie? I don't see anybody raising their hand. Okay, here's another one. 
How many of you had to teach them, especially if you have boys? How many of you have boys? I do. All right, how many of you had to teach your boys to fight each other? How many of you had to teach them that? How many of you had to teach them to call each other hurtful names? Where did they learn it? Oh, they're mother. Okay. I think you're going to pay for that one later, Rod. Okay? I think you're going to pay for that one later. Okay. If you see Rod coming with two black eyes next week, you'll know why. Okay? All right. Now, here, here's my point. Man, at its basic essence of who he is, is not pure. Why? Because we're sinful. That's the whole point of this verse. You and I need to grasp the reality of that. Because man, at the heart of who he is, is not pure in his thoughts and his deeds. That's just reality. Okay, let's go on. We're going to talk about honesty now. It's interesting. The next verse talks about honesty. Diverse weights and diverse measures, they are both alike an abomination to the Lord. Here's the point. The Lord, the Lord detests dishonesty in business. Guys, I'm a, I'm a proverb realist. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, sometimes a realist is just another term for a pessimist. But I'm going I'm to call myself a Proverbs realist. And what do I mean by that? And here's what I mean by that. We live in an age, we just talked about it in verse 9, where people are not pure in their thoughts and in their deeds. They're sinful by nature. And I'm going to be honest with you. In our system of our culture, business is basically how we operate, isn't it? There's a business for everything. Basically, at the heart of everything is the desire for one thing. What do, what do we desire in business? Profit, money. And when you have a desire for money, and, and ultimately, all, even if you're, if you're starting out right, you can get corrupt. And there, there really are no pure businesses that are just doing it for the welfare of everybody. So, for instance, even like your electric company, you know, their desire is for what? Profit. You understand? So they'll do what they got to do. I mean, think about, just think back a few years, the whole Enron thing. What was at the heart of Enron? They were manipulating markets, which was causing your fuel prices and your electric and heating prices to go up. But what was the whole purpose of the manipulation? Just for the heck of it? Yeah, make money. See, dishonesty. See, this is what we're talking about. Here in their society, they're talking about scales. About, you know, you, you probably have seen where, you know, somebody puts a thumb on the scale. And so forth. So they're selling you less for more. And God looks at all of this. He looks at our business way of doing things because we're corrupt. And he says it's what? An abomination. It's an abomination to God. Look now at uh, verse 11. We're going to talk about righteousness. Even a child is known by his deeds. Whether, he de- whether what he does is pure and right. Here's the point. Righteous conduct reveals righteous character. In fact, Solomon goes so far as to say that even a child, a little one, will reveal his character by what? By his deeds. 
You know, and, and can I be honest with you, parents, because this fits in with all these other verses about discipline. Because discipline, the, the reason for discipline is to mold their character. You understand what I'm saying? The reason and purpose for discipline is to mold their character. Not just to, to lash out because you're having a conniption over what they just did. It's to mold their character. And so when you're recognizing that there's something in their character, don't fluff it off and say, oh, isn't Junior funny? Junior's just funny. Oh, that's really nice, Junior. You don't want to do that. And then later on, Junior becomes a nightmare. Because you didn't, you, the signs were there early on, but you just kind of ignored them. You know, you just kind of ignored them. All right, look now at the issue of human nature. Look at verse 12. The hearing ear and the seeing ear, the Lord has made them both. Now, here's the point. The Lord has prepared people with the capacity to see and hear. The Lord has prepared people with the capacity to see and hear. Now, what I want you to do is, on that item there in your book, which I believe is number 113, I want you to put in the margin there, write the word spiritual. Write the word spiritual. Now, why am I telling you this? Because what we're talking about in this verse, the seeing ear and the hearing ear, is with reference to spiritual insight. It is God that gives people an understanding of spiritual things. It is God that gives people an understanding of spiritual things. So listen, so for example, let me, let me, let me free some of you up here. Let me just free you up. Some of you here maybe have loved ones who are not interested in spiritual things. And so you're just beating yourself to death because you've shared with them, they're not interested. You've prayed for them, they're not interested. You're beating yourself up thinking, well, you know, how much do I need to, you know, maybe I need to talk to them this way. Maybe I didn't present it right this way. And some of you are even engaging in manipulation. Trying to manipulate them to come to the right place. But what you're doing is, can I be honest with you, you're fighting a losing battle. You say, why do you, why do you say that I'm fighting a losing battle? Right next to the word spiritual, I want you to put this reference. It's in... Corinthians, I believe it's 2 Corinthians. Let me turn there. Chapter 4, verse 3. Listen to this. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds, verse 4 says, the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is in who is the image of God should shine on them, for we do not preach to ourselves, preach ourselves but Christ Jesus our Lord, and ourselves his bondservants for Jesus' sake. So here's what Paul's saying. The Apostle Paul is talking about that if the gospel is veiled, and it isn't veiled, if it's hidden from people, an understanding of truth is hidden from people, it's not because we're hiding it. So let me just stop for a moment. It's not because you didn't present it right. So can I be honest with you? Quit the manipulation. It's because the God of this age... Now, who's the God of this age? Anybody? 
Satan has blinded their eyes so that they don't understand. So that they don't understand. See, this is the point that Proverbs is talking about here. Proverbs is telling us, look at what it says there. Verse 12, the hearing ear and the seeing ear, the Lord has made them both. It is God who, who opens the eyes of people to understand truth and to respond to it. So let me just stop for a moment. For those of you who are concerned for your loved ones, you need to pray a different way. So here's how I'm going to tell you how you need to pray. You need to pray and ask that God would open their eyes to the truth. You need to pray and ask that God would open their eyes to the truth. Pray and ask that God would open their eyes to the truth. That's what you need to do. And you need to live your life out before them. So, for instance, you go over to 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. He gives some instructions there. He specifically gives some instructions to wives whose husbands are not interested in spiritual things. He says to them, what? Live your life in such a way that it's going to win them. Don't nag them. Don't nag them. So we've got to stop the manipulation and recognize it's God who has prepared people for the capacity to see and hear. Look now at verse 13, the issue of diligence. Do not love sleep lest you come to poverty. Open your eyes and you will be satisfied with bread. Here's the point he makes. Very simple point. And diligence leads to prosperity. Hard work leads to prosperity. Now, again, let me just stop for a moment. When we talk about prosperity, we're not talking about you making millions. Okay? Usually when we think of prosperity in our country, we think of millions. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about you living a contented, prosperous life where you're not struggling. Because here's what he says. Those people who love just kind of sleeping in, who don't like doing anything, you know, they're the ones who come to poverty. I'll never forget it. I think it was about 20 years ago, there used to be a commercial, one of those ad, you know, the government commercials. Maybe you remember seeing this commercial. And it showed two guys, they looked like they were college age, sitting in a, in a room, smoking pot. And they're talking about, why does everybody think pot is so, you know, they're talking about, you know, pot's okay, pot's enjoyable, blah, blah, blah. You know, so they're sitting in this room, and then all of a sudden you hear his mother hollering. When are you going to get a job? You're just bumming off of us. And then you see them real quickly trying to put out their whatever and trying to blow the smoke out and everything. And the whole point was is that laziness, doing drugs, affects your life. And that's the point. That's what this proverb is talking about. People who just hang out and sleep, they're going to come to what? Poverty. Hey, let me just stop for a moment. There is a trend in our country today. Here's the trend in our country. Adolescence is being prolonged. Does everybody understand that? Starts at 11. It goes now to the age of 28. Some of you are shocked when I said that. But it is. Adolescence now in our country goes to the age of 28. So what happens is, is let's say they go off to college, or maybe they even get a job. Do they go and find their own place to stay? Who do they hang out with? Where the rent is free, you know? Where they know they're going to get a meal. Now, what some parents are doing, and I don't think anybody's doing that in this room. 
What some parents are doing is they're enabling, and so now they've got a college degree, and in college they'll tell them, you can't take an entry-level job, you, you're ready to become vice president. How many of you know vice presidents who are 22-year-olds? Anybody know any vice presidents like that? No. Okay. So what happens is, so they just kind of hang on at mom and dad's. And they won't go get a job, won't work at McDonald's, because they got a college degree now. And guess what? Who's paying for it? Yeah, mom and dad, ultimately we will. See, that's the whole point. The point is, is that diligence, hard work, is what's going to lead you to prosperity. Look now at the issue of honesty, verse 14. It is good for nothing, cries the buyer. But when he has gone away, then he boasts. Here's the point. Some people falsely appraise a deal to gain a bargain. Notice what it says there. It is good for nothing, cries the buyer. But then when he has gone away, then he boasts. How many of you do that? Yard sales. My yard sale freaks here. You see that item? And they're just wanting 50 cents. And, and the 50 cents, and you're like, well, I'm not sure that's worth 50 cents. I'll give you a dime. And they're, you know, they're like downtrodden. They're like, all I wanted was 50 cents. And you're like, no, that's not. And so you compromise and you pay 15. And then you come home, honey, look at what I got. It's worth at least two bucks. I got it for 15 cents. Isn't that, what, isn't that true? This is what Proverbs... My ladies here are knowing what I'm talking about, aren't you? Isn't that true? Look, guys, we just go... We hate shopping, so we just buy it. Okay? But uh, some people falsely appraise a deal to gain a bargain. I've, I've stomped on some toes here today. It's not me, it's Solomon. Look now at verse 15. There is gold and a multitude of rubies, but the lips of knowledge are a precious jewel. Here's the point, the issue of speech. It is rare to find someone who speaks knowledgeably. You know what? It is rare. You can talk to a lot of people, and a lot of people will give you their opinions, and a lot of them aren't worth anything. You've heard the opinions are like armpits. Everybody has one, and they all smell. Okay? You know, and that's the point here I want you to see is, it's rare to find someone who will speak knowledgeably, who will give you good advice. It's rare. Okay? Let's go on now. Obligations. Verse 16. Take the garment of one who is, who is surety for a, a stranger and hold it as a pledge when it is for a seductress. Here's the point. People should be held to their obligations. That's what the point of this verse is. People should be held to their obligations. Now, can I just stop for a moment? Is that part of our culture today? No, we don't want it. Responsibility is not even a word we like in our culture today. So, for instance, people, let, I'll be honest with you, I mean, in the government, I understand the reason why, because it's affecting the economy. You've got a bunch of people who bought houses, subprime loans, knowing that when the rates would go up, they were going to get hit. And then all of a sudden, when the rates do go up, their houses are being foreclosed on. Now whose responsibility is it? 
Is it the responsibility of the person who took the loan out? And notice what our culture is doing. Our culture says, no, it isn't your responsibility. It's now the government's responsibility. The obligations don't mean anything. It's interesting, the point that he's making here in verse 16 has to specifically do with the issue of money. And specifically, if you look at the words here, surety and a pledge has to do with the issue of debts. People need to be held accountable for their financial decisions is what he's talking about here specifically. Look at verse 17 now, the issue of dishonesty. Bread gained by deceit is sweet to a man, but afterwards his mouth will be filled with gravel. Now, what's, what's he saying here? Here's the point. Good things acquired by dishonesty, dishonestly, will not bring satisfaction. Good things acquired dishonestly will not bring satisfaction. You ever notice that with people? They're depraved nature. They get something. They get it by means of deceit or they steal it or whatever. Does that satisfy them? No. It doesn't satisfy them at all. Look now at verse 18, the issue of plans. Plans are established by counsel. By wise counsel, wage war. Here's the point. Effective plans incorporate sound advice. Effective plans incorporate sound advice. Over and over in the book of Proverbs, it's going to tell you that if you're going to plan something for your life, you can't just be holding it to yourself and plugging on. You're going to need to have the what? The advice of others. You're going to need to have counselors around you who are going to give you sound advice who will maybe look at what you're talking about and say, yeah, I see it, but maybe you need to maybe change this direction here. Recognize who you are or something. So here's the emphasis of this verse. You need to have around you people that you can trust who are wise, who will give you good advice. Who will give you good advice. Okay, now look at the issue of speech. Verse 19. He who goes about as a talebearer reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with one who flatters with his lips. And here's the point. I think it's very simple. I think all of us understand it. It is dangerous to associate with a gossip. Here's the point. I want you to listen to me. Mark it down in your mind. All of us know people who have loose lips. Every one of us knows somebody who has loose lips. And how you know they have loose lips is because they're always talking to you about who? Somebody else. Other people. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. There's, there's an old proverb. I've had it up on the board before. He who gossips to you will gossip about you. Nothing is sacred with them. Nothing is sacred. And in Christian circles, we couch it this way. Let's say I'm the gossip. Sam, we really need to pray for Lou over here. You won't believe what's going on in Lou's life. We need to pray for him, my friend. And so we'll couch it in a what? Prayer request. Do we pray, though? No, we don't. See, it is dangerous. Why is it dangerous to associate with a gossip? Why do you think he's saying that here? Why is he saying that it's dangerous for you and I to associate with a gossip? Anybody? Okay, Lori says you get sucked in. Okay, you can get sucked in. That's one aspect of the danger. What were you going to say, Sam? 
Loose lips sink ships, okay? Okay, you'll become like them because you're going to engage in the same activity. But there's some other reasons why. Why is it dangerous? Eventually, they will stab you in the back. Eventually, is the things that are going on in your life sacred to them? No. No, because they'll talk about it. And guess what happens? Let's say, let's say, okay, let me reverse it a little bit here. Let's say Rod's the gossip, okay? And we're talking, and Rod says, hey, George, how you doing, man? Oh, man, I'm doing okay, but, man, I've got this business deal going on, and, you know, I'm really not sure about whether or not I should make the deal with Jack, and, you know, and I tell him all the details and everything. I'm not being careful. I'm revealing too much to Rod, even though I may know that he talks about other people. So Rod leaves, and he sees Art. How's it going, man? Oh, I'm doing okay, but, man, you got to pray for George. He's, he's not sure if he trusts Jack with the business deal. And the problem is, is Art and Jack are like this. And you can almost see it, picking up the phone later and saying, hey, are you got a business deal going on with George? I heard from Rod. He don't trust you. And guess what? How do you think Jack's going to be towards me? Where's my business deal going? Yeah, it's, it's not down the drain. It's dead. Do you, know, do you know what I'm saying? It's gone. And I'm sitting there wondering, what happened? Now, I talked to it in terms of business, but let me explain something to you. Spouses, listen to me. Sometimes we get frustrated with our spouses, don't we? Sometimes our husbands and our wives will make us flat out angry. We'll get disgusted with him. I am sick of picking up his clothes, whatever. You know, you understand what I'm saying? And what we'll do is, is and especially ladies, listen to me, ladies, because we ha- ladies have guys. You have a nature. Ladies have a nature to want to talk with each other, and they will talk about things that they don't necessarily need to talk about. And so you're having, as is normal in a marriage relationship. You're maybe having some intense conflict during the week. And here's what will happen. Is you tell your girlfriends, and they develop an attitude towards your husband because of what you shared. The next week, y'all are okay. It's like the fifth honeymoon all over again. Everything worked out. You're loving each other. But your girlfriends, when they see your husband, they're ticked off at him. I can't believe he's treating her that way. And he's like, what's up with so-and-so, man? They just kind of like gave me the evil eye. And here's the thing. Your girlfriends are telling others. Is that helpful to your marriage? You see what I'm saying? You've got to be careful what you share with other people. I didn't mean to pick on you ladies because it can, it can happen with guys too. Watch that. Yes, one little word out of context can change. Yeah, one little word can change everything. And in fact, I would say even the addition of words, even the addition of words can change everything. Because here's the thing, I tell you something and then we're to all share what we're saying. It usually will get embellished. 
because some of us will shorten it because we don't like to talk in details. We'll just cut to the chase and tell it. But we may leave out some details. Some of us will maybe in our mind add to it. Yeah, yeah, you know, so the, the whole point I want you to see is is that you've got to be careful. It's dangerous to associate with the gossip. It's dangerous. Okay, look now, verse 20. Whoever curses his father or his mother, his lamp will be put out in deep darkness. Here's the point. Whoever curses his parents will be destroyed. Very, very um, to the point. Verse 21, an inheritance gained hastily at the beginning will not be blessed at the end. Here's the point. Sudden prosperity may not prove satisfied. Here, can I be honest with you? Here, put this in the margin there of 122. Write the lottery. Here, all you see is, can I be honest with you, they need to do a reality TV show on the lottery. You say, what do you mean? Well, see, all you see is, okay, I think I was in a store the other day and I saw the Powerball. Oh, it's down in Florida. I had to get a battery and we stopped at a convenience store. And it said, Powerball, 150-some million. And so when you look at the news or you see, they'll show the Powerball winner and he's holding up this big check because they took the immediate check, not the 20-year thing. And it's several million dollars or whatever. And you see, oh, they're, they're going to quit their job and they're all happy and whatever. Blah, blah, blah. And that's what you see. That's all they show you. You never hear of them ever again. You want to know why? It's not good publicity for the lottery. Because when you look at most of their lives, they've lost their marriages, they've lost their family, they've lost their friends, and many of them have lost their finances. That's the whole point here. Sudden prosperity may not prove satisfying. That's the whole point here. And I know some of you folks buy lottery tickets. I think you need to reconsider it because you don't know what you're asking for. Plus, I think you're wasting your money. Look at verse 22. Do not say, I will recompense evil. Wait for the Lord and he will save you. Here's the issue of retribution. Leave retribution to the Lord and let him bring just deliverance. That's over and over in the scripture, the issue of retribution, vengeance, leave it to God. Look now at verse 23, uh, the issue of honesty. Diverse weights are an abomination to the Lord, and dishonest scales are not good. Again, same thing I want you to see here. We've already talked about it earlier. The Lord detests dishonesty in business. The Lord detests honesty in business. Look at the issue of providence now. Verse 24. A man's steps are of the Lord. How then can a man understand his own way? God's control of our lives is beyond human comprehension. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, God is directing your life. There is never a point where He is not directing your life and you need to recognize that. Look here at verse 25, the issue of speech. It is a snare for a man to devote rashly something as holy and afterward reconsider his vows. Here's the point. Don't get caught in a rash vow. 
Don't get caught in a rash vow. Specifically here, it's talking about don't get caught making rash vows to God. God, if you help me out of this, I'm going to do this. Don't do that. Don't do that. Let's go on. The issue now of justice. Verse 26. A wise king sifts out the wicked and brings the threshing wheel over them. Here's the point. A wise king purges his kingdom of the wicked. A wise king purges his kingdom of the wicked. Look now at verse 27, the issue of conscience. The spirit of a man is is the lamp of the Lord searching all the inner depths of his heart. Here's what I want you to see. Like a lamp shows what is in the darkness, so God reveals what is in man's spirit. God is the one who reveals what is in your heart. And so maybe sometimes we need to ask him that. I would encourage you to. Lord, where am I? What is my heart? Look now, we've just got uh, four more verses here. Verse 28. Mercy and truth preserve the king, and by loving kindness he upholds his throne. Here's the issue of stability. Love and faithfulness are necessary requirements for an effective ruler. Love and faithfulness. Have you noticed that's how we judge our candidates today? Not. That is not what we're using to judge our candidates today. Okay? Look now at the issue of character traits. Verse 29. The glory of young men is their strength, and the splendor of old men, I like this verse, is their gray hair. Okay? like that verse. Okay, here's what it says. The young and old each had a particular excellence not possessed by the other. Young and old each have a particular excellence not possessed by the other. Okay? Look now at verse 30, the issue of discipline. Blows that hurt cleanse away evil, as do stripes the inner depths of the heart. Physical punishment may prove spiritually valuable. This is another verse that's basically saying to you that there is a place for physical punishment. And then finally, verse 1, the issue of the sovereignty of God, and this is our last verse. The king's heart is in the heart of the hand of the Lord, like the rivers of water. He turns it wherever he wishes. Now, here's the point I want you to see. This is a point I'm going to rest on. I'm going to make a point here for you to understand, especially in this election year. A king's decisions are controlled by God. All right, now here's my point. I want you to listen to me. I want you, if you need to, put a mark by verse 1. Because notice what it says. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Like the rivers of water, he turns it wherever he wishes. That's the Lord. Now here's what I want you to say. is, We are just, what is this, February? We are nine months away. From an election. And probably going to be John McCain versus somebody else. Alright? Now, some of you here, you got your guy, you got your party in your mind. So this, I'm not going to talk about what party you need to vote for. But I'm going to talk about an overall attitude. Somebody is going to lose in November. Everybody recognize that? Because there is no co-presidents, is there? Okay. Somebody's going to lose. And so you're going to think it's the end of the world when your person loses. You need to read chapter 21, verse 1 again. 
Because it is God who sets up kings. Even in democracies. God doesn't step off the throne and say, oh, I'm just going to let the U.S. decide and let them do whatever and ultimately that will fit somehow in my plan. No, God is the one who ultimately engineers what happens. And so you need to recognize that whether it's your guy or not, you need to rest in the sovereignty of God. That's the whole point of this verse. Okay? All right, we'll talk about that more at some other point. Okay, let's close our time of prayer and get ready for the morning work.